we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. This message tonight, Lessons Learned in the Lord's Work. Lessons Learned in the Lord's Work out of Mark uh, chapter 6. We'll begin reading in verse 29. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb, speaking of John the Baptist. And the disciples, or and the apostles, gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. They departed into a desert place by ship privately, and the people saw them departing. And many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and out went them and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were a sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred pennyworth of bread and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? <clears throat> go and see. And when they knew, they say five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments uh, and of the fishes, and they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. Here in the, the life of Christ, if you're in our Sunday school uh, hour, you're probably somewhere around here uh, as we're, we're teaching, and, uh, teaching through the Bible and teaching through the life of Christ right now. Uh, this, is, this is right where we are in our Sunday school class this morning. We talked about earlier in this chapter. And so as we get to this story, obviously a very familiar story to most of us, the great miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, one of the uh, only uh, accounts that's mentioned in all four gospel records. A great story, a lot of truth here. The disciples are coming, uh, coming back from a trip where Jesus has sent them out to, to minister. He sent them out on a mission. And, and whenever, uh, you know, when Jesus called all of the disciples to himself, not all of the disciples, they didn't have all the answers. They didn't know exactly what Christ would have them to do. This call to follow Jesus. You know, there were many that followed Jesus. Some, some followed him closely like these disciples. Some followed him, uh, you know, when it was convenient for them. And some followed him afar off, just catching a glimpse of things here or there. But Christ wanted these disciples to follow him closely. And this, this life that they were to live was a life of service. He asked them to leave everything that they know 
and follow him. And he, and he asked them to do many things. There, there, were, there were so many things that, that Christ would have the disciples doing along this journey. And, and, and he asked them to leave their nets. He asked them to, to, to follow him no matter where he went. And he told them, he says, listen, I don't even have a place to lay my head. I, I don't have a home. This is not going to be a life of comfort and ease. And they, they left all the things that they knew, and he asked them to do all sorts of things. Go and fetch a donkey. And they didn't have all of the answers. What were they to do? Just to follow Jesus. Just to follow Jesus. Jesus had told them, that they were to take nothing for this journey. He sent them out on this mission, and he says, I don't want you to take anything. Don't take any extra clothes. Don't take a bag. You don't need money. Just go. Just go and preach the gospel. And when they reject you, shake off the dust of that city and go on to the next one. And that's what it's like serving Jesus. Sometimes we're, uh, you know, we, we're, we've been talking about this ministry march a lot in our church over the last month and in our youth group. We've, been, we've encouraged teenagers to serve. If you're serving somewhere, serve somewhere else. If you're not serving, serve somewhere. And many of our teenagers have stepped up and, and joined the bus ministry and uh, stepped up and, and gone into the nursery and uh, keeping the nursery and singing in the choir and this life of service. What is it all about? In the Lord's work, we're not called to a cushioned, easy, popular life. We're called to something even greater than that. In this passage, uh, the, the disciples, that they've gone out, no doubt, a difficult journey. They're tired. Uh, they're hungry. The Bible says that they haven't even had time to eat anything. And Jesus says, why don't we depart into a desert place and rest a while? And, of course, you know the story. The multitude follows them there. They, they, they don't even have time to rest. They don't have time to relax. And, and Jesus begins to speak, and he sees uh, this multitude, and he's moved with compassion on them because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And they, they step into, uh, they're, they're continuing in their ministry following Jesus. And I just want to give you a few things here uh, in, the, in the Lord's work, some things that we see in the Lord's work. Number one, we see an imperfect situation. Verse number 29, when the disciples heard of it, talking about John the Baptist. You see, this painful circumstance, the Christian life is not always a life of victory after victory. I can remember uh, sitting in, uh, in, in college Bible classes and thinking about and daydreaming uh, about the day that I would finally be in the ministry, that I would finally get to serve the Lord full time. And most of those, most of those dreams were perfect days. They were perfect days. There was a lot of good things going on in those daydreams. Lots of people, lots of victories, great family, obedient children, obedient teenagers. Perfect days. But the truth of the matter is, serving Jesus, there are no perfect days. There are no perfect days. I can remember thinking about what it's like to be in the ministry and, and how it would be to serve God full-time at a church, and, and it was always the, the good things, you know, the, uh, the, the great revivals and the youth rallies and all the, the great things going on, and I, I couldn't see the difficulties that I would face along the way every day. And these disciples, they're, 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 they're coming off of this mission trip, and they're coming back, and they're thinking, maybe, maybe a little time of, uh, of rest and relaxation. But they don't get that. This painful circumstance, Jesus had just been rejected by his own people. 
The news of the death of John was heavy on their hearts. This was a difficult day. This was an imperfect situation. This was a painful circumstance. But notice in Scripture that God's great miracles were often in the midst of a difficult day. Because in the difficult days is when God does His greatest work. We must learn, I must learn, I'm having to learn to serve God through the difficult days. You know, we want to wait until, the, until, uh, until everything in our life is perfect. We, want to, we, we, we like to wait, well, when, when this circumstance is out of the way, when I'm through this trial, when I'm here, when I'm doing this, when I have this job, when, whatever, and then I'll serve, then I'll get in that ministry, then I'll do this or whatever, that day's not going to come. If you're waiting for the perfect day, you'll never serve God. If you're waiting for the perfect situation, it's not going to come. And we'll go through life waiting for that day, and we'll fail to serve God. Serving, serving through the pain, God parted the Red Sea as the Egyptians were on the hills of the Israelites. It wasn't a perfect day. And there are many miracles. Daniel uh, was saved while living with lions, a difficult day. The greatest day in history of Christianity was a very dark day for those who watched Christ die on the cross. We must learn to serve through the dark days because it's those days that God does his greatest work. We see the presence of Christ. Look at verse 30. The apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus. It didn't take the disciples very long to learn that in the difficult days to stay close to Jesus. In the difficult days to stay close to the Savior, the presence of Christ. And we just we continue to see this imperfect situation. They're in a desert place. They're supposed to be on this, this private getaway. They're supposed to be on this vacation. And then we see the problem with the crowd. Look in verse number 33. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. Jesus, when he uh, came out, saw much people. Oh, as if, as if we're not going through it already, now we've got to deal with this crowd. We've been out on this, this mission, preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus with nothing. We've got no money, we have no food, no extra clothes. They come back and they hear this news of John the Baptist and it's heavy on their hearts and then the people follow them, much people. And the disciples were tasked with the job of protecting Jesus and organizing things. And so as they saw the people, they saw work. When they saw the crowd, they just saw more work for them to deal with. They just saw something else that they would have to do. The problem with the crowd, the, the time was far past. It tells us that in verse number 35. It's late. It's late. Jesus, it's, it's, it's late. These people are hungry. And then verse number 36, they, the disciples say, send them away. That they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, give ye them to eat, period. Give them Give them food. So in verse, in verse number 36, I have send them away circled, and I drew a line from there to verse 37, and I have this circled, give ye them to eat. 
oftentimes it's our, uh, oftentimes we we will say send them away and Jesus wants us to give them to eat. Who are we talking about here? We're talking about the sheep without a shepherd. We're talking about the world around us, the multitude. Jesus said, give them to eat. Give them to eat. How, uh, how often, I think, in our own lives, we put band-aids on problems, hoping they'll go away forever. This was a sensible answer. The multitude was tired and hungry. The disciples, and I'm sure even Jesus, were tired and hungry. Let's call it a night, and let's, let's send them away to get some food. By the way, I could use some food too, Jesus. And I think in the Lord's work, as we're serving Jesus, it may not always make sense. It may not always make the most sense to man, but let's remember that God's ways are much higher than our ways. So in the Lord's work, we see this imperfect situation. And number two, we see this uh, an improbable solution. Verse 37, the potential there, give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? How, how can we give them to eat when we have nothing to give them? How, how are we supposed to give them food when we don't have food to give them? That makes sense to us, right? That made sense to the disciples. How are we to give them something that we don't have? But Jesus wasn't looking at what they didn't have. He was looking at what they were going to have. Remember, God is not relying on what we can see. He is relying on what he sees. God is not limited to our abilities and our wealth. It's not about what we don't have. It's what God can provide. And as you're serving the Lord, sometimes we'll say, well, we just don't have the resources for whatever it is. But God's not worried about our resources. God's not worried about your inability to do something. God's not worried uh, about the money that you don't have. He sees past all of that. Verse number 38, we see this puny meal. He saith unto them, how many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, five and two fishes. Now listen, put yourself in this situation. Put yourself in this story. Go back uh, as one of the disciples here. And this multitude, don't forget the multitude is still there with all of this Uh, conversation going on. The multitude is still there. The crowd is still there. They haven't gone anywhere. And Jesus says, go, give them to eat. Well, Jesus, what do you want us to to give them to eat? Do you want us to go and buy? We don't have much money either, but we can go put our money together and go buy this food. What do you want us to do? And Jesus said, well, how much food do we have? And then you can see the disciples scurrying around trying to find the food. Hey, anybody got any food? Anybody anybody bring any food? We need something. We got to have something. And they're looking for their resources, and they're, they're trying to bring everything together and gather it all up. In verse 38, they tell us what they have, and it's not much. Five and two fishes. Five and two fishes. A very small meal in relation to the crowd. John Phillips said, from looking at the demand, which the disciples considered to be outrageous, the disciples looked at the supply which they decided to be equally ridiculous. The hungry boy would have polished off the whole meal in a matter of minutes. The Lord, however, was not thinking in terms of law, uh, of law of supply and demand. 
It was not mathematics that he had in mind, but a miracle. And we can look at our, our resources and, 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 and the law of supply and demand and think we just don't have it. We just don't have it. We don't have what it takes to get this job done. We don't have the resources. We don't have the money. We don't have the people. We don't have the talent. God says, good. I don't need any of that because I'm going to provide it for you. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church and to be following a pastor who believes that very thing. And just in the short time that I've been here, I've seen pastor do things just like this. Where we don't have the answers. We don't, I, I don't know where it's coming from. I, I don't know what's happening. But God said to go, and we're going to go. God said to do it, so we're going to do it. It's that simple. Because it works. It was mentioned in our staff meeting just the other day. Uh, we were talking about something. I can't remember what it was, but I remember the, the comment was, we don't know why this works except for that God said to do it. And that's why it works. It doesn't always make sense to us. It's not always the most logical thing to serve God with your life. I, I've heard it time and time again, even by uh, some family members. Well, you could go and do this, and there's money over there. You could do this, success. What is success? What is success? The disciples, when they, when they decided that they were going to give up their life and they were going to follow Jesus, at that point, uh, I, I think even of Matthew sitting at the receipt of customs as he was making all of this money, and this wealth, and he gave it all up to follow Jesus. He didn't know where he would go. They didn't know where their next meal was coming from, but they were following Jesus, and that's all that mattered. And all along the way, listen, the disciples were not perfect. They made many mistakes, but they were staying close to Jesus. They were staying close to Jesus, and Jesus was teaching them and teaching them along the way so that eventually when he ascended into heaven, he could send them out, and they could tell people about Jesus. We can complicate the whole thing. We can add, we can add things to, to the Bible. We can add things to the ministry. We can, whatever we want to do, but it all boils down to following Jesus. Following Jesus. Then verse number 39, I love how the, the attitude and the, uh, the, the atmosphere kind of changes. Look in verse number 40, 39. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. Now remember, remember, the disciples don't have the answer yet. Right? So, so Jesus says, how much food do we have? Well, uh, you know, we've gathered, we went around, we asked people, all we found was this little lunch. All right? Have everybody start sitting down in groups of 50s and 100s. Uh, okay. We, we're not sure where you're going here, but we'll do it. Jesus starts planning. He starts preparing for the miracle. Maybe some murmuring, maybe some uh, complaining, maybe some excitement and anticipation. The disciples thinking, what? Jesus has done stuff like this before. What's he about to do? What is he about to do? I'm sure there were many different responses to this, to this plan. Listen, that's one of the greatest things is in the Christian life is the anticipation of what God is going to do. And that's the joy of the faith life, buying this property next door. Well, what's God going to do with that? I don't know, but I'm excited to see it. 
I, I, I'm not sure. Why, why is God growing our ministry? And why is God, I'm not sure, but I'm excited to be a part of it all. I certainly don't have all the answers. Pastor would say the same thing, but we're just following Jesus and we're going to watch him work the planning of it all. Then thirdly, thirdly, lessons learned in the Lord's work, we see the infinite supply. Notice the power of Jesus. Man, the message this morning was helpful. It was helpful. Anytime we can we can reflect on how powerful God is. What an amazing thing. We see that here in the life of Christ. By the way, you would expect nothing less. You would expect nothing less than, uh, than this miracle from God in human form. Right? I mean, you would expect nothing less. This is what you would expect from a God who is all-powerful like, like we heard about this morning. And they sat down in ranks, verse 40, by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves, two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. We see the power of Jesus. He's looking to heaven beyond the capacity of the world's supply. He was not looking for the disciples to provide the food. He was trusting the Father to do the multiplying. And when you're serving Jesus, we're not, we're not trusting in us for the supply. We're not trusting in ourselves for the power. We're not trusting in our own strength to get the job done. We're looking beyond human capacity and looking to the Father for Him to supply the miracle. Because I don't have enough. I don't have enough. God's not looking for, for, for the stuff. He just wants you. He just wants you. This is exactly what you'd expect from a God in the form of man. Notice the path to Jesus in verse number 41. And this is really the message right here. This is what it means to serve. Verse number 41 in the middle says, And gave them to his disciples to set before them. You see, in and of ourselves, we don't have what the people need. The, the disciples weren't carrying their own food to give to the groups of people. And you, the, the, the people were divided up into these little groups of people, fifties uh, and hundreds. And, and more than likely, there was a disciple in charge of each company, and of each group. And they would take these baskets, and they would go to Jesus. And Jesus would, would, would continue to break and divide and multiply this food. And, and, and they, every time the disciples would go back to Jesus, you can imagine their amazement and their wonder, thinking, where is this food coming from? And they would walk back to their, to their company, and they'd be looking at the food, and, and they would divide it up, and they would start passing out this food to this group, and their basket would be empty. But there's still people to feed. So they'd walk back to Jesus with an empty basket. Jesus would put the food in the basket, and they're, they're thinking, where is this coming from? What is going on? And they take the food to this group of people and they start passing it out. And back and forth they go. A well-worn path to Jesus. Listen, listen, you don't have what it takes to teach your Sunday school class. I don't have what it takes to be the youth director. God's not relying on our strength. He just wants us to come back to Him. That's what it means to serve Jesus. 
I, I, I don't have the message if it's from my lips. I, I, don't have, uh, I don't have the power, certainly. It's all from God. You think, I just don't have the time. I don't have the strength. I don't have the energy. I, I don't know what they need. No, but God does. You see, Jesus, Jesus could have spoke a word like Mr. Schatz preached about this morning. He could have spoke a word and they all be filled. He could have spoke a word and they all have food in their laps ready to eat. But he used the disciples. He used the disciples to distribute the food. And they kept coming back. They kept coming back in service and serving Jesus. We must go to the Father for the supply. Oftentimes I think how unworthy I am to, to do anything for God. How unworthy I am to serve, and, and, and I, I, I'm not very smart. Teenagers tell me I'm not very tall. I don't have much to offer. But that's what God wants. He wants us to come to Him with empty baskets because He has what they need. He has what they need. And you may say, oh, I, 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 I can't talk to people about Jesus. I, I don't have, uh, you know, I'm not an apologetics major. I, I can't argue with these people about, you know, I don't have all the answers. I don't know scripture like I should, you know. And that may be true. That may be true. But God just wants you to bring your empty basket to him. He wants to fill it so you can take it to others. And all you're doing is giving the people what Jesus gave you. And that's what it means to serve the Lord. That's the lessons learned in the Lord's work, there was a plentiful feast. There was a, there was a purpose for the leftovers. And God just did a great miracle. God did something amazing with some men who didn't have answers, who had been out on a mission trip, who had no food, no money, nothing of themselves. But He did this great miracle. He did this great miracle. And I'm just wondering what God can do with me if I were just to let him fill my basket. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.